Hi, I'm Greg Potter, and this is 20-Minute Collaborations. Welcome to 20 Minute Collaborations. I uh, am recording this intro the day after the Super Bowl and I'm giggling looking at all the halftime show memes from last night. Also, for all the people that were in their teens and 20s in the 90s and early 2000s, I see you. That show was amazing. Of course, if you're listening outside of the US, this might not matter to you at all. And that's understandable. So thank you for hanging in there with my uh, trip down memory lane. The show, though, is an unbelievable collaboration that happened. Earlier today when I was journaling about how the show, first of all, you've got this football team, or this football game, and it's happening. The players and the refs and the coaches, they all know what's going on. They know the language and understand movement and have the rules. And then you bring in the fans, thousands and thousands of people who worked online to get a ticket to figure out where they're going to park to go you know to get to the right entry gate to get food and beer and snacks you know all that and then on top of that you put in this mini concert with all these big names that have their entourage and all the dancers and that is one collaboration that took so many moving parts it's my goal that we can start looking at collaboration is something that we're comfortable and friendly with because we're doing it every day. Every episode, I invite a guest onto the show to share a story from their life. The story has no rules except for it needs to be working with other people to accomplish a common goal. It can be an intentional collaboration or an unintentional collaboration because we are collaborating every day For this show, I invited Yohani Podesta to join me. She is someone who is definitely not unfamiliar with collaboration. She is the founder and owner of Synergy Coworking here in Madison. And she also is on the leadership team of a very large international nonprofit based out of Washington, D.C. The nonprofit focuses on supporting small businesses all over the world. And in her story today, she shares a moment in South America at a very large convention where there was egos and uh, and other tidbits that will come up in the story. We also go back to the trust conversation that was brought up in the conversation with Dina and the conversation with Chantel. And I think it's a really good little bookend where trust can bring us when we have deliberate practice and we really have done all the work to build relationships with our team. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation, and so let's get in. Oh my gosh. Okay, first of all, I'm so excited to finally like catch up with you. This is ridiculous. It's been too long. So, um, listeners, I'm sitting with the fabulous Eugenia Podesta here at Synergy in Madison, Wisconsin. How are you today? Doing great. We just warm. Had, it's warm, and we just had some amazing food. It's not every day, listeners, that you uh, go to record a podcast, and then the person you're interviewing 
takes you to lunch. <laughs> so I'm very appreciative. <laughs> are you re are you ready for this? I am. Okay. Let's see what happens. All right. Do you wanna do you wanna do you have any questions or you wanna go into your story? I'll go into my story. So in addition to my work with Synergy, I work for an international nonprofit, and so as part of my job, I've had to coordinate uh, meetings, events, convenings, conferences, small and large scale. And there was one particular large scale conference that we were involved in, with, which really required a tremendous amount of collaboration. On one end, it was a significant amount of logistical detail, right? So we were taking women from all over the Latin American Caribbean region to one location, dealing with visas, dealing with hotels, logistics, you name it. But in addition to that, we had a number of high profile speakers, some that would just fly in for the 10 minute presentation and then they were on their way out. Definitely pre-COVID. Oh, definitely <laughs> pre-COVID, yeah. This, this convening was about, I think we had over 400 people that were part of this. You know, our organization has been tied to the State Department within its initial, you know, the initial years and was initially a diplomacy initiative, right? So our relationships with embassies and, and, and you know, various governments is very much a key component of a lot of the work that we've been able to do over time. And so we had high profile political leaders, I'll say it, I'll say it that way, um, <laughs> that came to this, yeah, that came to this I'm event. just giggling because I know you. <laughs> And so, as you know, when you're working with dignitaries, there's a lot of protocol that goes into play, right? And so we had to host meetings all around security and protocol for these dignitaries that were going to come. And so we were very much prepared. We had a number of people in place that were responsible for this. Large hotel in a major city in, in South America. And we were not prepared for what was going to happen. We ended up with one of the dignitaries who just because of their own personal interests decided to surpass all of the protocols that were put in place and you know again these protocols are, are also known by them right so they know where they need to sit who they can sit next to how they greet you know all of these things are, are already planned out and, and done in advance and so we had keynotes that were heads of state and this ended up becoming a huge problem because one of the dignitaries that um, came, as I mentioned, had their own personal agenda and decided to just sit next to one of the heads of state and ignored completely the assigned seating that was supposed to take place. I have so much anxiety right now just hearing this <laughs> after being in many situations like that. Sorry, you going. <laughs> it was quite something, right? Because. All of a sudden, you have those dignitaries not happy at all. Mm -hmm. No, a lot of it, again, there are political plays that led to the, this individual's actions, and, and they really wanted to be in photo ops, and there was a number of other things that kind of led to this. But we had security detail up in arms. We had hotel personnel up in arms. We had you know, the press and media loving it because it was just like this amazing story that they could, you know, get on the on the front page of the news and the newspapers because it was a big deal. All of a sudden, you know, this individual that it was known that they had certain political agenda was positioning themselves as if they were on the same level of, mm. you know, as this head of state. So, as you can imagine, it was a very... Uh, tremendous collaborative effort to sort of 
dissipate all of the anxiety. There are a lot of people that were upset. We had to, you know, really come together as a team. Both our, you know, our team of staff, the hotel staff, the logistics staff, the, all the, the companies that were involved in just the production of the event. And so that led to a lot of learnings, but, you know, absolutely we had to keep our cool. And at that point in time, we were all on the same page, on the same team, because we were all dealing with the ramifications of this at different levels. So that is the story I share with you today. Okay. Um, so many thoughts. First of all, you're already answering questions that I was going to ask, so that's good. Now we're going to dive deeper. Um, when you talk about the your team having to be on such a same level, like what did you do prior or what exercises and I'm looking more at like um uh, what's the word I'm looking for um you know where I'm going (laughs) you know I think it is one of the hard lessons learned if you don't learn it early on when you're in a field where there is so many high stakes and you're having to please so many different stakeholders making sure that you build those relationships is critical to your success because there's so many uncertainties, but one thing you can count on, thing is, things are going to go wrong. Right. And that is, that's a guarantee. What they're going to be, you might not know, and, you know, sometimes they're simple, and other times they're a little bit more serious. But what helps sort of bring down, you know, any anxiety or making sure that you feel comfortable going into these um, scenarios with more of a problem-solving solution mindset is making sure that you build those relationships. Because once you do, you're prepared for that. Once that happens, you know you're gonna count on each other and those people are gonna trust you and you're gonna trust them and, and they're gonna feel that you, know, you also have their best interests at heart. You're not just mm-hmm. you know, trying to protect yourself. Um, so that I think is, is fundamental in this work and in collaboration. Totally. Um, the term I was looking for, <laughs> the term, <laughs> I doubt they can hear your squeaky chair, but it's fine. <laughs> this is an informal podcast. Um, the term I was looking for was deliberate practice. Anyway, yes. um, but you touched on something with the relationship building. For me, it's always shocking at sometimes even a relationship building moment can happen so fast because you're in the trenches with someone. Yeah. You know, and I just think, you know, that can, it's such a miraculous thing that when you can be, create such a strong relationship with someone and you've known them for five minutes versus your team. Anyway, and this sounds like that would be a good moment that you probably had a lot of that. 100%. And, and I think if I, if I were to look back, right, a lot of my even friendships have stemmed from a lot of these experiences that I've had, you know, um, in different parts of the world where we've had to just come together and troubleshoot and problem solve. Uh, I think another element to it is also understanding, and again, this is in a different context because we're looking at more of a global platform, right? There are uh, cultural uh, components that need to be taken into account. And, and so for me, knowing that, you know, obviously going into a particular region, there are certain things around hierarchy and respect and people's roles and authority and all of that. And so I am also always really mindful and proactive when it comes to making sure that my team across the board is elevated so they are respected. Because I'm not going to be everywhere, right? I'm not going to be everywhere. I'm not going to be able to make every decision. And they have to feel confident, you know, enough to make the decisions in my absence to do what's best for the greater outcome. But I also have to know that whoever they're working with, and so these stakeholders will respect them. And I've had that issue come up 
time and time again. And I've had I've had team members that were really really young, you know, going in and feeling like, but I can't possibly talk to this minister, you know, in in in, in this way. I'm like, no, I mean, you're not, you know, in Latin America, a lot of times you say usted, but there's mm -hmm. a different way of approaching certain people based on age, seniority, and it depends on each country, right? We're not uh, generalizing, but sometimes it can be a power play in certain industries and in certain sectors, and especially when you're talking about uh, the political landscape. And so I had to also coach them on how to make sure that they communicated and presented themselves with authority, regardless of their title, whether they were coordinator, it didn't really matter, coordinator, manager, whatever it was, know that we're all gonna be spread thin you know, when it comes to executing these these larger scale um, events and programs. So you have to feel confident that you know what you're doing and you're gonna make the best decision because you know more than they do about what we're doing here, right? And so that part is, is, is super critical. I couldn't emphasize enough. What really is like mind blowing me right now is something I've never thought, because you, you and I have talked about empowerment and what that means mm -hmm. many times in our conversations, but as you're talking, what I just heard, and I've never thought about this, is it's one thing in, you know, in a collaboration team, you know, you're empowering each person in that team or in that group, and you know, and we talk about empowering, when you empower someone, you're sharing the power and all that, but the thing that you just said that I've never really thought about is the fact that just because I empowered someone and gave them the power and like they have agency and all that, doesn't mean that's going to show up when they're interacting with other people, despite if they're showing up on my behalf or on like, and that's tricky. It's tricky and it's a lot of work. And, and you know, I think one of the hardest things, and I don't mean it's hard because you're, you're seeding power. Like to me, that, that hasn't been an issue personally. I think a lot of leaders do have that. You know, you become, some become territorial and they want to control certain things and, and hold certain things close. To me, not so much. Like I have no issue just bringing other people in and, and sharing, you know, what what needs to be done. But it has to be intentional. Like you have to constantly be thinking about how you're showing up, and you're showing up as a united front, and you want to make sure that no one on your team is disrespected, disregarded, and that what they have to share is as valid, if not more so, than what you have to share. Right? Because everyone has a different focus. And, and I'm not looking at the minute details of every element of the work that we're doing. They each know very well their own sort of work stream and focus, right? right. And, and so I have to constantly make sure that they're given their place, right? And, and that is a huge advocacy role. It's not hard, it's, it's absolutely difficult, but I've found that if I don't do that, you know, I'm constantly having to prove why what this why what they're saying is is, is trustworthy or why we need to uh, accept what they're proposing, right? In terms mm -hmm. of solutions. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one, but it, it's it's so important. And you'll see people elevate at just you know I think the, the time that it takes them to grow within those circumstances is accelerated by a lot. Right. By a lot. Completely. Oh my gosh. And the, just the word advocacy and a collaboration team, like we, you know, we use the word advocacy so often with, you know, all the, you know, marginalized communities and all this and advocating for people. But when you're on a team, you have to also be showing up. You're responsible and you, you're, you trust, but then also you are responsible to advocate for that team. And we don't talk about that enough either. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I need to backtrack because there's something I think that we need to, I, 
I need to hear, the listeners need to hear that you yeah. touched on, and I don't want to lose it. Um, in this said emergency, or any emergency when you're collaborating or unintentional collaborating, how do you, what's the path of least resistance to find your resources? Because, you know, sometimes when something comes up and we don't realize it's going to come up, you know, if we're not prepared, if we haven't done our deliberate practice, then we're like, where the hell? You know? I mean, I think for us and for me, and, and I say us always because it is that sort mm-hmm. of team perspective, it's having the tools to know that you'll be able to figure it out, right? Like, there has to be that approach where you've already worked through various scenarios. So it's not like all of a sudden you're in that place in time and you're having to figure out how to problem solve or how to figure out what resources to tap into. You've already practiced this ongoing. And the only way you'll be able to do that is if you bring people in, right? And so being transparent about the challenges and obstacles, making sure that people have that opportunity to, to test that strategic mindset, to, to problem solve. Like ongoing, it just becomes almost intuitive. So when you're there, it's almost like, okay, who's around, right? Come together. Here's a problem. What are the solutions? We decide on something. We move forward and, and keep going, you know? So right. it's, it is really about building that tool set because you never know what, you, you never know what it's going to, you know, you have no idea. No idea. Right. There's only so much under you, you know. Right. Oh my gosh. I was just telling someone recently about the one client that I have with the bar crawls and the time that, uh, the bump, the muffler fell off one of the buses and like, you know, like you never know what's going to happen. Never. Anyway. Um, okay. I, I'm realizing that 20 minutes is not enough time with you because you are one of my favorite co-conspirators and you're one of my favorite collaborators in this entire planet. Um, so I'm going to change it from your story for just a second. And I'm going to ask you, how do you feel about the necessity of having an or a very objective, unbiased facilitator when you're creating a formal collaboration? 100% stand behind that. You know, I think a lot of times we shy away from formalizing the process because we look at collaboration as something light and fluffy, and, it, and it's not. You know, it has, it has a lot of repercussions and a lot of um, <clears throat> potential risk. I'm going I'm to call it that because that's what it is. <laughs> the reality is that. You know, as human beings, we don't speak the same language, we don't communicate in the same way, we don't um, take away from any given conversation the same thing, you know, that that's just who we are as humans. So in order to try to avoid any misconceptions, misunderstandings, it is important to really spell out exactly what the expectations are, but also come up with how you're gonna, you know, how you're gonna move into addressing any conflict that does arise, right? Because I think that's a huge part of it. And I think another element that a lot of people tend to step over is being transparent within that conversation. And, and I think this is a choice, right? Like, so from my perspective, I do not opt for collaborations where there isn't that space to talk about the things that don't work well and, and be okay with it, right? It's a little uncomfortable, but it's no big deal. Like, you're going to make mistakes. You know, we talk about this all the time. It, everyone has a lot going on. We're all doing different things. We're wearing many, many different hats. Misunderstandings will happen. But can you agree to at least have a conversation when something rubs you the wrong way or when something doesn't feel right? You know, have the conversation and be clear that you're both going to come into this with um, the intention of making it the best, most positive relationship ever. And that means it, it, it's, it's going to be a process, right? But you have to create the space 
for that because otherwise it just becomes conflict and it just sits there and it can just implode and it can really damage the relationship and then it can also impact negatively on the impacts of what you were trying to achieve together in the first place. So Right, and if you're, if you're working or collaborating with someone or an organization now, most likely you're going to need to do that in the future too with that same person slash organization. Like, why ruin that? Um, something you just said that also I want to bring out is when is it okay to decide that it does not need to be an intentional or formal collaboration? Honestly, I don't think ever, to be honest. I mean, I just think it's just easier that way. It's just easier that way, um, you know, to, to be able to capture what the expectations are. It doesn't have to be formal in the extent that you're going to actually sign an agreement. You know, an MOU is not a legally binding thing. It's a very common tool used that's very simple. It's like, this is this person, this person, or organization. This is what each of those two parties do. This is what they're going to bring to this, right? And this is how they're going to work together. It can be as simple as that. But if you don't even want to opt for that, at least capture it in writing. And then so you're very clear, you know, okay, to recap, this is what we discussed, and this is how we're going to move forward, and this is how we're going to work. I just feel like a lot of times... We avoid the formality because it's work. But in the end, it's work that is going to help you in the long term. It's going to save work down the line, right? Because right. expectations are clear. You know, you're clear on how you're going to work together. But it's not just about how you're going to work together. It's how you're going to work together, what each of you are going to do, but then how are you going to communicate? Because you have to have that communication sort of standardized, right? Otherwise, if you leave it to whenever it comes up, it's just not a good way, you know, you want to check in, you want to make sure that you're both on the same page, things are moving, and if they're not, how are you going to pivot and, right. and, and move in a different direction? It's, yeah, oh my gosh, tools to begin the collaboration are so important. Uh, listeners, I'll put a link into some great examples of MOUs and uh, operating agreements in the page, just so you know. Um, but it's funny that you brought that up, because we didn't think we were going to talk about this right now, and we've been talking about it since I got here. <laughs> So important. So important. Oh my gosh. Before we end, is there anything that you said that maybe like impressed you that you said it? Or like with good was good reminders that came out of your mouth? You're like, oh yeah, I haven't thought about that. Whatever. Um, because I think that's a good way to bullet point the end. Yeah, I mean I, honestly it's the practicing, mm -hmm. the practicing of healthy, positive collaborations, right? And and how you combine that with the necessary sort of anticipation of conflict. I mean, honestly, it is what it is. And conflict does not have to be bad. It doesn't it at all. It doesn't have to be bad. Can we just be okay with the fact that it, it isn't? It doesn't have to be? You know, it's just ways to push us to do better, to do different. But again, you have to be able to communicate mm -hmm. in a way that's positive or that will never happen. Oh my gosh. There's been so many little gold nuggets in this. And you're like, well, Greg, I don't know what if I have a story. I love you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me on recording. Wow, right? Oh my gosh. Gina Podesta is a phenomenal human. One of their other qualities that I did mention when I introduced her was that she is a connector beyond belief. I have not had a moment yet when I have been speaking with her and I have an obstacle or I have a question 
or need a resource and she knows exactly who to connect me to immediately it is a wonderful gift that i hope you all are able to have people in your life or you are the connector in your life and you're able to provide that for other people today's show seriously i the deliberate practice piece of once we've established relationships and we have trust and with deliberate practice that we can go into anything because and just knowing that things are not going to go the way we planned there's always going to be something that catches us off guard and going into the fact that conflict doesn't always have to be bad we need the conflict to make things better and why are we always forgetting that when it comes down to it, conflict in a formal collaboration is necessary to make it better, to create a bigger impact. I also like the piece about agreements and in the communication piece, having the MOU, having the contract, having the uh, business rules, you know, the business agreements, the whatever, fill in the blank, that is all necessary to really create the impact that you want and hold everyone accountable. And trusting people so well that you know that they're going to represent you, the organization, the collaboration, the way that you want them to. Also because they're empowered and they have agency. Oh, this is all so good. This conversation that we're continuing on, and we're just at the beginning of it, is for me to learn, for them to learn, for you to learn, but also so that we can become better collaborators you like that collaborators anyway i'm gonna leave you for now have a fantastic week and good luck on all of your intentional and unintentional collaborations bye you've been listening to 20 minute collaborations with greg potter Find him on all the social media at GG Potter and visit his website, ggpotter.com. This is an Artemis Bow Productions podcast.